It's good to be here today. Today we begin a new series of messages uh, here at Marta Loop based on Handel's classic masterpiece, Messiah. Now, you may not be into that kind of music and da 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 da, but try to get into it because Handel miraculously puts music from 1741 when he wrote this thing. Um, to Old Testament prophecy, and so it kind of lets you hear the Bible uh, through new ears with different, a different melody, a different sort of cadence, um, and so God can surely meet us through that. So today we begin a series on Handel's Messiah, which was written in 24 days in 1741 in what was clearly a flurry of creative genius uh, a moment that we believe, those 24 days, God, by God's Spirit, was all over that. In the beginning, God created music. And in 1684, God created George Frederick Handel. And God gifted this little boy come man with profound musical intelligence. And God inspired the text that would be the lyrics for the Messiah, all from the Bible. And then God, through God's Holy Spirit and through Handel's creative imagination and passion and gifts, wrote something in 24 days that will arguably last forever. So, over the next month, we're going to talk about and listen to, especially listen to, and hopefully be touched by and transformed by what God, by God's Spirit, is saying through the music of the Messiah. And hopefully, as we get into it, in the listening, there will be some comfort. I tweeted this week that I don't think I meet anybody nowadays who isn't just wiped and tired and strained and anxious and a post-pandemic thing in part, but life is just hard. So hopefully through this conversation with Handel, we'll find comfort and peace and maybe even some joy as we head toward Christmas. Okay, we're going to begin our service uh, with a short prayer, and then, uh, yeah, we're going to get into it a little bit more. So join me in a prayer. Just one look at the news, Lord, and we know and are reminded again and again and again that we live in a world filled with poverty and death and famine and war and anxiety and fear. And, and Lord, in that kind of world, we could all use a little bit more hope. Know your spirit's comfort. Know that we're okay in the midst of it all. And so as each of us here gathered live or online, um, now enter into and listen to your word through this music, we pray. Um, draw near and put your hand on our shoulder and whisper a word of love. Uh, you're not alone. I'm with you. I'll always be with you. Help us to hear your voice, Lord, we pray. 
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I forgot to factor in how awkward it would be to stand up here while we're just listening to music, so I'm going to get a chair next week. Handel's Messiah begins with a strong note of promise. Promise to a people who were in captivity, who felt imprisoned by life's circumstances, were burdened by the weight of it all, exhausted by the constant struggle. Begins with a promise that was made to a people who, in that place, were yearning for freedom and longing to see their hopes and their dreams fulfilled, who, who needed to know that there was something more than this life that they were living at that moment. Handel's Messiah opens with a promise that comes from a God who sees our situation, sees you completely all week, all life long. God sees our pain, our doubts, our fears, our discomfort, our sorrow. God sees the mess we're in, the, the mess the world is in. God sees and God acts in response, beginning with a promise acts by making this promise, which is the basis for the whole first three or four songs of Handel's Messiah, written by the prophet Isaiah. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, and her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, 
and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. I mean, can you feel and hear, get washed over by the promise of God through his prophet to his people in that text? God's promise sung over their lives then when that prophecy was made and over our lives now in this place. God's promise sung over his world. Make straight in the desert, the wilderness, 
the lost, barren, broken place, emptiness, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. A highway, a compelling image for a God who wants to get to you fast, who feels an urgency when it comes to freeing you from the trouble that you're in. A God who will be unimpeded in his way toward you. And you could start to feel the urgency in that last 20 seconds of the piece you just heard. God is troubled by your circumstance, sees it, acts, and wants to get to you where you're at, wants to save you. And the way he saves you, according to that prophecy and the prophet, God's word is by forgiveness. God's solution for broken, imprisoned people who are separated from God, who have all of us made choices and not so great choices in life, who have all of us turned away from God so many times in life, God's solution is forgiveness. It begins with reconciliation through forgiveness, to pardon our iniquities. So uh, the prophet Isaiah's first listeners, readers, were people in captivity, the Israelite community in Babylon, for all of those reasons. And I know, right, it's a hard pill to swallow <laughs> when someone calls you out on your stuff. But we all have stuff and make choices and do things and right individually and collectively so when we say that the world is so messed up the world is so messed up because it's filled up with mess it's filled with messed up people me included you too we all turn our backs on god but thank god god doesn't turn his back on us God runs to you like you are a prodigal daughter or son. God levels mountains to get to you. God raises up the deepest, most dangerous valleys in order to make a way. God straightens crooked paths to get to crooked people so that he can free us quickly. God removes every single impediment there is to get to you. Valley, every valley. 
what a beautiful vision that is, right? And what a hope that God would do all of that to get to you where you're at. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places made plain. And on that plain, you can breathe. Come back to yourself as you come back to God, as God has come to you. Find you again. And if you listen to the music, and maybe listen to it again carefully, every valley exalted with ascending notes. How do you communicate that ascension apart from that beautiful move of Handel? And the mountains made low in descending notes. The crooked sung in a crooked way, made straight through a straight note. And the rough places made plain in a long-held, broad, plain note. God promises this, and God's promise is sure. He promised it a long time ago, so when? When fully, God? One day fully, right, God? Now I, I'm hanging on to the promise, the way promises akin to make us hang on, are akin to make us hang on, but it's not fully here yet. But one day, which is why Advent, the season leading up to, Christ, to Christmas in every Christian church around the world, is a time of waiting for the fulfillment. That one day, God's promise to the prophet Isaiah here will be fully fulfilled. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. God has promised that this will happen. God made a promise. And God, by God's nature, keeps his promise. In fact, God, to prove that he will keep and is keeping his promise, gives his word to us, quite literally, in the person of Christ. Uh, a word whispered into flesh, fully God and fully man, an infant born 2,000 years ago. A, a child that we were able to see, and then eventually as he took on language here, and then eventually as he spoke parables, be struck by. Audible words from God through this God-man's mouth of hope and wisdom and healing. Hope for everything, not just that our souls will somehow be saved in the process, but that the deep valley of every broken relationship with your family, with your brother, with your dad, with your mom, with yourself, the mountain of societal dysfunction and selfishness leveled. Broken economies made new. Corrupt politics happening the way leadership ought to happen and meaningless jobs all made new. Broken ecosystems 
made new. History is made new. Whole nations made new. Sub-Saharan Africa made new. Ukraine made new. Russia made new. Canada, all of us, made new. See, I'm doing a new thing, God says. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And, and this is what we remember. This is what the Messiah is helping us remember as we engage it this morning. That This is what the scriptures remind us of. That God has moved into the neighborhood through the coming of Christ and has entered into your world and is more present to you in your world doing law downtown, serving in the way you serve at your place of employment, being a dad in your family, more present to your world than I think you can even begin to imagine. So this is a time where we remember that that God came to us, and that one day God will move fully into our world again. So close that we will be able to hear his voice as clearly as I'm talking to you. Can you imagine that? God talking to you, Catherine. Actually feel God's touch, whatever that's going to be like on that new heaven and earth, but I always imagine a hand on your shoulder. How's it going? <laughs> I love you. And see his face, the glory of the grace and the light and the beauty and the love of the face of Christ looking at you. And our faces will shine in response with His glory.
not going to take communion together as uh, a people. And uh, yeah, if this is something you know about, then of course you're invited into this communion moment. If this is something that's new to you, but you want to participate in this, then we'll count that as your profession of faith, and uh, you're welcome to participate in this meal. And if you yearn to experience the glory of the Lord and to know the glory that he's built into you and the glory that we're all made for, then you're invited to this table. Invited to taste and see that God is good. And invited into the song that is the life and words and being of Jesus Christ. The song that God sings over your life in and through the Holy Spirit. The love of God offered to you through Christ. So these are the gifts of God for the people of God, for you and for all of you in both senses. And this is how the Apostle Paul understood the meaning of communion. He wrote to a church, he said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, know that you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then a caveat, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A person ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord inks, eats and drinks judgment on themselves. So this sacrament is a gift from God where we remember what happened and we celebrate that and we look forward to God's one day future full promise keeping. And I've done this led communion for 25 years now and I still really have no idea what happens. Um, but I do believe that there's a kind of mystical presence of Christ that is affirmed in and through the taking of the bread and the juice. And maybe it's like how music enters into you and transforms you, right? Changes you, moves you into a new place. Maybe that's one of the ways that Jesus says, I'm here. Jesus is here, and we are here. And so when you take this bread and eat it and take the cup and drink it, remember and believe that Christ's body was broken for the complete forgiveness of all of your sins. Now, normally those are the words I'm saying just before we take the bread, but we're going to do it a little different today. Um, we're going to listen to a handle handles uh, peace from another part of the Messiah um, as we pass out the bread and the juice. So we're just going to pass out the bread, and when you get it, you can hold it for a few seconds and then take it at will. And then when the cup comes around, um, same process. And then afterwards, we'll wrap up with a prayer. 
Got it? Got it. All right, so let's play that piece, John, and if the servers could come up now.
please join me in a prayer. God, it's, it's all such a mystery. Uh, communion and what this means and tasting and seeing what you're all about and knowing your presence in our lives and trying to discern your spirit's leading and follow your voice. Uh, continue to go with us and uh, lead us, even if we can't understand, into that place and along that path where crooked is made straight, where high is made level, where deep and dangerous is raised up, and we're on uh, a plane, uh, a wide open, in a wide open, clear, blue, true, dream of the sky place with you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you.